Section 18 of Monday Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Monday Tales by Alphonse Daudet. Translated by Marion McIntyre. Section 18. The Caravansary. I cannot recall without a smile the sense of disenchantment I experienced on catching my first glimpse of an Algerian caravansary. That delightful word, which casts a spell over all the oriental and enchanted land of the thousand and one nights, had conjured in my imagination long vistas of arched galleries, moorish courts planted with palm trees, cool and refreshing streamlets dripping with melancholy music upon mosaic pavements, and everywhere, stretched upon mats, travelers in Turkish slippers smoking their pipes in the shade of some terrace, while from caravans halting under the noonday sun arose the heavy odor of musk, of scorched leather, a tar of roses and golden tobacco. Words are always more poetic than the objects they describe. Instead of the caravansary I imagined, I found an ancient inn, of the Ile-de-France type, located on the highway, a stopping-place for carriers and post-chaises, with its branch of holly, its stone bench at the doorway, and surrounded with courtyards, sheds, barns, and stables. Far enough removed it was from my dream of the thousand and one nights, but after the first sense of disillusion had passed away, I was quick to perceive the picturesque charm of this out-of-the-way Frankish inn, a hundred leagues from Algiers, and standing in the midst of an immense plain against which rose in relief innumerable tiny hills, crowding closely together and blue as the waves of the sea. On one hand, a pastoral of the Orient fields of maize, a stream bordered with oleander, and rising here and there, the white cupola of some ancient tomb. On the other side, the main road, lending the bustle and animation of European life to this Old Testament scene. It was this blending of the Orient with the Occident, this flavor of modern Algeria, which gave to the caravansary of Madame Chantz such an amusing and original physiognomy. I can still see the Tlemcen diligence entering the grand courtyard, in the midst of camels, squatted about, heavy laden with bernous and ostrich eggs. In the sheds, negroes are making their couscous. Planters are unpacking a model plough. And Maltese are playing cards upon a wheat measure. Travelers alight, and fresh relays of horses are brought. The courtyard is completely blocked. A red-coated spahi is performing a fantasia for the benefit of the maids of the inn. Two gendarmes have halted in front of the kitchen, and are draining a bumper without dismounting. In a corner, some Algerian Jews in blue hose and caps on their heads are sleeping upon woolen bales, waiting for the market to open, for twice a week the Arabs hold a great fair before the walls of the caravansary. On those days... When I opened my windows, I saw before me a forest of tents scattered about in confusion, a surging, clamorous crowd in gay colors, 
The red shishya of the kabiyan blazed like wild poppies in a field, and until evening there were continual cries, disputes, and a swarm of dusky figures moved back and forth in the sunlight. As twilight came on, they folded their tents. Men, horses and all, disappeared, as might one of those tiny worlds of innumerable moats which are lodged in a sunbeam. The plateau was deserted. The plain grew silent again, and the twilight of the Orient tinged the sky with its tender iris tints, as fugitive as the colors upon a soap bubble. For ten minutes the sky was tinged with rose. There was, I remember, at the entrance to the caravansary, an old well, and it was so completely bathed in the glimmering sunset that its well-worn curbstone seemed to be of rosy marble. The well bucket looked aflame, and drops of fire glistened upon the rope. Then that wonderful light, like the flashing of rubies, died down, and lilac hues grew in the sky. These, too, faded out, and the sky became dark and somber. Indistinct sounds began to traverse the plain, and suddenly, in the silence and darkness, burst forth the savage music of an African night. The bewildered clamor of storks, the barking of jackals and hyenas, and, at long intervals, a sullen roar almost solemn, which made the horses quiver in their stables, the camels tremble in their sheds. Oh, how pleasant it seemed, after shivering amid the hosts of darkness, to emerge and to descend into the dining-room of the caravansary, and find there laughter, warmth, light, and the charming display of fresh linen and sparkling crystal, which is so in keeping with French taste. And to do the honors of the table were Madame Chantz, an ancient Mulhouse beauty, and pretty Mademoiselle Chantz, her blooming cheeks slightly tanned, her Alsatian headdress with its black tulle wings reminding one of a wild rose of Guebvier or rouge goutte, upon which a butterfly had alighted. Was it the charm of the young girl's eyes? Was it because of that light Alsatian wine which her mother poured for you at dessert, sparkling and golden as champagne? Certain it is that the dinners of this caravansary were famed far and wide among the camps of the south. Sky-blue tunics mingled with the short coats of hussars, braided and decorated with frogs, and far into the night lights might be seen burning in the windows of the great inn. The repast ended, the table removed, the old piano which had peacefully slumbered in a corner for twenty years was opened, and French airs were played, or, to a lauterbach of some sort, a young Werther, Sabertache at his side, would dance a waltz with Mademoiselle Chance. In the midst of the somewhat noisy military gaiety, the rattling of aguillettes of long swords and brandy glasses rose the languorous rhythm of the dance, two hearts beating in unison to its measure, and absorbed in the mazes of the waltz, their vows of eternal love ceasing only with the last strain. It would be hard to picture a more charming scene. Sometimes, of an evening, the great double door of the inn would open, and horses pranced into the courtyard. It was some aga of the neighborhood who, 
wearying of his wives, desired to taste of occidental life, listen to the piano of the Rumis, and drink the wine of France. One drop of wine is accursed, says Muhammad in the Koran, but there are compromises even with the law. As each glass was poured him, the aga, before drinking, took one drop upon his finger, shook it off gravely, and that accursed drop once disposed of, he drank the rest without compunction of conscience. Then, quite dazed by the music and the lights, the Arab would recline upon the floor, enveloped in his bernous, not uttering a word, but showing his white teeth with a laugh and following the whirls of the dance with kindling eyes. Alas, where are they now, Mademoiselle Chance's partners in the dance? Where are the sky-blue tunics, the charming hussars with slender waists? Sleeping in the hop-fields of Wissenburg, in the grassy meadows of Gravelotte, and no one comes now to drink the light wine of Alsace at Madame Chance's caravansary. Both women are gone. They died musket in hand, defending their inn, set on fire by the Arabs. Of the ancient hostelry, once so full of life, nothing remains but the walls, the great crumbling framework of a building so suggestive of death. These are still standing, but they are completely calcined. Jackals prowl about in the courtyards. Here and there, the fragment of a stable or a shed, which the flames have spared, rises like a living apparition, and the wind, that wind of evil omen, which for two years has stormed against our unhappy France, sweeping from the farthermost borders of the Rhine unto Lagua, rushing from the Saar to the Sahara, passes on, filled with plaintive echoes, wails through the ruins of the caravansary, beating against its gates mournfully. End of section 18. Recording by Linda Johnson.